0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. and this week we are recapping all of the action from week two of the 2024 NCAA season. We talk about Michigan getting a little bit of redemption this week, Cal proving their national contenders, Oklahoma being Oklahoma, Clemson's first meet ever in history, among many other moments from the weekend. We also talk about light-up choices, mistakes made early in the season, and why it's not that big of a deal, and so much more. So, we hope you enjoy! We're going to start our coverage of week two by talking about the first meet that Ashley and I watched this weekend. And it also just so happened to be the first meet that we commentated this season. That would be Michigan versus Stanford. Michigan came out on top with a 197.725 to Stanford's 193.625. Got to start by saying what a massive improvement for Michigan, improving their total by almost two points, not quite, but almost two points what they did in Vegas last week, so they had a goal coming into the competition just to be better than they were the week before and I think it's safe to say that they did that. I think they're very happy with how they performed. I think they saw it you know, some of the criticism about their week one performance online, I think they took it personally in the best way possible. So. And I think they may have been a little bit fired up as well with the Michigan men's football team. I say the Michigan men's football team as if there's a women's football team. <laughs> <laughs> I think with sports, we're so used to like specifying. Well, like, with gymnastics in particular, it's like you do have to specify like men or women sometimes. Yeah. But you know what I mean? The, the football team at Michigan winning the national championship, I think also got them a little bit fired up. We talked to Maileana, the assistant coach, after the meet, and she did say that. That, like, the vibes were good coming off of that. So <laughs> I think we saw a little bit of that in their performance on Friday. And but... also just being really hungry to redeem themselves. I think they knew that they were a better team than what they showed in week one. And... They wanted to prove it. We saw that here. So we'll get into that. Also, Stanford. I don't know if we want to start with them. Yeah, I think we should probably know. I mean, looking at their score, you probably, if you didn't watch the meet, you'd probably figure that something happened because 19365 is definitely a little bit lower than or significantly lower than what Stanford is capable of as a team. But it's worth noting that they only traveled 10 gymnasts to Michigan. And none of the freshmen. Yeah. So we talked to Tabitha Yim, the head coach, on Tuesday. The week of the meet? Yes. And she told us then that the freshmen weren't going to be traveling. Didn't say exactly why, but what we were guessing based off what she was saying was that it was either injury or illness related. I was more leaning towards illness related because I think it's odd that none of the freshmen traveled. Yeah, and well, she did mention as well that she, you know, doesn't want to rush them into it. Like, basically, if they're not 100% ready to go, whether that be because of injury or illness, it's the first meet of the season for them. She really didn't see a, a point or a need to push them when they're not ready, so... Because they're really going to be relying on a lot of their freshmen, because they have a really strong freshman class. Yeah, Sienna they... Robinson, Victoria Cluck has a 10 start value on vaults. Sydney Riziki and Temple Landry... They have a lot of potential as a class, and I think that they're really going to be relying on them in postseason, so they need them to be healthy at that point. We also didn't see Anna Roberts. She didn't travel with the team, which wasn't surprising. We knew that she is dealing with a little bit of an injury. Not sure exactly what, but Tabitha said that the hope is that they'll have her back by midseason is what they're hoping for. And that'll be a big boost to their lineups as well, because they were only competing five up, five count on Vol and Bars. Yeah, and Honestly, Vol is an event where they can be pretty strong this year. They have the potential to have five start values. And we only had two this weekend. So... Definitely not the lineups that Stanford is capable of producing. Anna Paula Gutierrez is another one that didn't travel to Michigan. And that I was kind of confused with because, like you said, we talked to Tabitha on Tuesday. The meet happened on Friday, obviously. And she told us, like, I'm excited for you guys to see her this weekend in Ann Arbor. Yeah, like, so she, like, was like have- she was like, watch her on the sidelines. And she was very much speaking as if the plan was to have her not only there, but like competing. On bars and B. Yeah. So no, right. sorry, vault well, and bars. Yeah. She's not training beam and floor this season. So not really sure what happened there. I'm hoping that it was just an illness and not an injury because I'm something... st- I was super excited to see her this season. Yeah, something definitely happened between Tuesday and Friday. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that. And of course, we'll let you guys know if we happen to hear anything. But my favorite thing about commentating is getting to talk to these coaches and kind of get a little more insight into the team and their philosophy mentally where they're at. It's mm-hmm. always super interesting. I've seen a lot of criticism not just for Stanford, but honestly, there's a couple teams, Michigan, ironically, with this being a a Michigan-Stanford meet, another team that's criticized for not using a lot of underclassmen, Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's completely reasonable and fair to question where freshmen are, especially when there are talented freshmen and you expect them to do something right off the bat. Jamison Sears is another one that comes to mind for Alabama. I mean, we literally named our episode last week, Where Have All the Freshmen Gone? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So I think it's totally reasonable to question where people are, to question where freshmen are. um, As fans... You know we do that, but I will say I do feel like as fans we don't always know what's going on, and I feel like we're really quick to jump to conclusions and even create narratives surrounding certain teams. Like like I said, I'm seeing it happen right now with Stanford. It's been happening with Michigan, and I'm not arguing with the fact that like a team like Michigan has not used underclassmen. You know the past. Couple of seasons, or like, they've they hardly used. That would be a fact. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you cannot argue that. That is a fact. They have been very upperclassmen heavy. But I think with Stanford and Michigan, for example, I think there's more going on than people realize. Yeah. And there's reasons why coaches make the decisions that they do. And I think that gets a little bit frustrating. And I know it's part of sports, and I know this is what fans do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, with Stanford, my mind is going to okay the freshmen didn't travel that tells me that there's a reason why they aren't here i want to see them just as much as you want to see them i'm sure the coaching staff wants them in these lineups just as much as we want them in these lineups but there's obviously a reason why they are not here and we don't want athletes to compete when they're injured or yes. sick. Or sick. Mentally or physically. Yeah. like Whatever the justification is for why that person's not in a lineup. I, you're on the side of trusting the coach's decision to that's, not put them in. That's what's so hard about that is like, okay, so you want to see these athletes compete. But if they're injured or they're sick, do, do you still want them to compete? Like, I think sometimes people just think that coaches are sitting people out for funsies. And I can promise you that is not happening across the NCAA. Like, I don't know a single coach that's going to sit somebody with a 9-9 plus or a nine eight five plus, you know, somebody who is a solid freshman that you expect to be in a lineup. I don't think a coach is going to sit them just for fun. No. And if they, <laughs> if they are, then they should be fired. <laughs> like, there has to be a reason. And it has to be a reason that we may not be privy to. And that's fine because we're not entitled to know yet, everything. That's the word I was looking for. I'm like, what's the word entitled? Yeah. Like we mentioned, Michigan is a team that also kind of gets that rep for using mostly upperclassmen. And it's interesting because we, being fans of the program and doing commentary for them and, and kind of doing like a little bit of more of like the media side with them as well, we've been in the gym a lot, we talk to the coaches a lot, we talk to the athletes a lot. So we do tend to have a lot more insight into like the, what's actually going on behind the scenes than like the general public would. And it's so funny just going online and just constantly seeing people like where's this person? Where's this And it's person? like they're not an option at this moment. <laughs> and I feel like I try to make that Clear to people. Like I'll see people questioning like where is Michaele Mar? Like, why is Michaela Mar not in the lineup? People were doing that though before season started. Like literally there was two exhibitions or sorry, inner squads. Inner squads. <laughs> no, one of them was the exhibition though. The inner squad <laughs> and the exhibition for Michigan. So season hadn't even started yet. And people were like, Where's Michaela Mar? And I'm like, it's not even seasoned yet. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, you have to give them a chance. You have to trust the process. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of McKaylee Mar, she did exhibition on beam. She did and bars, did she not? Or no? No, she warmed, she warmed up, up, up on bars. Yeah, yeah. And but she looked she, good. And she exhibitioned on beam and she looked good. Towards the end of her beam routine, I think she was running out of gas a little bit. Came in short on the dismount. And when we talked to Mileyana after the meet, that was something that she said. Because we asked her. like, We should have we- asked her. Like, people <laughs> online... Mad, they want to see McKayle. Like, do we think that that's a real possibility at any point soon? And she said, like, of course it's a possibility. Like, of course that's what they want as well. But like, she's got to be consistent in the gym, and she's got to prove that she is, you know, worthy of a spot, whether it's in the lineup or in the exhibition position. She's got to prove that she's able to hit. And she was consistent when she was at Penn, but it sounds like so far at Michigan, she hasn't been super consistent. And so they want her to build that confidence up in the gym before they put her out in a competition, and you know potentially risk having her injure herself or make mistakes, and then have you know the entire embarrass herself, <laughs> yeah, and have the entire world criticizing her because that's just what the internet does. You know what I mean? Like that is a hill that I think Bev Placky is willing to die on, based off conversations that we've had with her. She will. not put somebody in a lineup or, as the exhibition, if she does not think that they have a higher chance of hitting than not. She is not going to put somebody in to, quote-unquote, get experience and risk them injuring themselves, risk them falling three times on beam and then having to go online and seeing people talk about how they're a flop. Um, I feel like Michigan's confidence has been pretty fragile the last couple of seasons, honestly, since they won the national title because people say – Not nice things about them sometimes. And they see it. Like, they 100% see it. All of these athletes do. And so I kind of view their decision to pace the athletes... As protecting them. As as, as totally protecting them. I think that they want McKaylee and the freshmen and the sophomores who are healthy. Because the other issue with Michigan is that a lot of their freshmen have been injured coming in. So it's not even like they got injured at Michigan. They come in with some sort of injury, which is really unfortunate. But um, I think that they are really focusing on... Getting their confidence up in the gym before they release them to the world to criticize and, you know, do as the internet does. And I'm not necessarily saying that people can't do that. Let me be perfectly clear. I'm not saying that people can't do that. You're saying that people do do that. I'm saying that people do do that and they know that. And so knowing that a lot of the people on this team are new to lineups, a lot of them don't have experience. A lot of them don't have confidence. They don't need them to take any more hits than they already have been. So, like, <laughs> let them get consistent in the gym. Our new favorite saying is let them cook. And, <laughs> yeah, we you have know- been saying that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because I feel like that's that's how I feel about this Michigan team. They have to cook a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And, and a lot of these teams, honestly. But- just let them get ready, and you'll see them when they're ready. When they're healthy – when they're mentally ready, when they're consistent in the gym, that yep. is when you'll see them. Mentally is another big thing. JC Vore. I remember last season seeing a tweet, basically somebody criticizing the fact that she's not making lineups. She doesn't look the same. She came in as a five-star recruit. And we knew, but it wasn't public yet, so it wasn't our place to say it, but... JC was struggling with a mental block, and her confidence took a massive dump after that. Like, yeah, there she was, was, like, a solid year, if not more, that she was afraid to even go over the vaulting table. And, like, this yep. was a, a massive hurdle for her to overcome. And came in as a freshman coming off of an Achilles tear. So, like, she had all these obstacles. And then you go online and you see people saying, like, what happened? She's, she's not, regressed. Yeah, she's regressed. She's not the same athlete that she was. She was supposed to be a five-star. What happened? And so it's like... <laughs> Why would they put her in? you know what I mean? like if if she's not healthy physically or mentally, then that's something that behind the scenes they're gonna have to work on and they're gonna put her up when she's ready to go up and now we're seeing JC back in some lineup spots which is so amazing. but I don't know. I just think we wanted to talk about that and it applies to Michigan, but it also applies to a lot any of team. teams like, it's literally any team. It's Stanford right now like I'm seeing a lot of discourse about Stanford and I totally get it. I get it as a fan. But I also just want to, like, gently, I think, remind people that we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. I personally, 98% of the time, me thinking of that percentage, what I wanted to give. (laughs) You're like, I'm going to call this a 98. I, 98% of the time, trust coaches to make smart decisions. They don't always make smart decisions. They don't. And that's why I said 98. I'm giving them 2% of the time where they don't make smart decisions. (laughs) But... They are the ones that are in the gym every single week. They see everything. They know everything. Literally, they see and know everything that we do not. Right. And they're going to make the best decision for a specific athlete, knowing mentally what they're going through, physically what they're going through, consistency-wise, what's best score-wise for the team. Like I, for the most part, trust these coaches to make the decision. And if somebody is not in a position, there is a reason for that. The coach isn't just – yeah, I don't, I don't really like her on this event. I don't really want her to go in on this event. Or I want to piss off the gym gymtern. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. They're, <laughs> they're like, mal- they're like malicious. Like, I promise you, with any school, they are. Trying that's to, not the case. They are trying to construct the lineups that is the most consistent and the highest scoring. And, and when, knowing what we know about Michigan, the past three years, they've done that. The people that you've been seeing in the lineups are the highest scoring, and they're also the healthy. And it does not make sense to take out. Natalie Wojciech or any of the other girls that were a consistent 9-9 nine, nine plus in any of the lineups. And also so- healthy. And healthy you. for somebody that is A, not healthy, like physically not even doing gymnastics at the moment or coming back from an injury. And therefore, you're going to risk furthering an injury by making them compete or if they're not mentally ready to compete. like There's so many reasons why somebody wouldn't be competing. And it's like it doesn't make sense to take that person and replace them Replace someone who's 9 9 plus with somebody who's just not prepared in a magnitude of ways and throw them into a lineup when you're a team that's trying to be competitive, you're a team that's trying to be, you know, a top five team, is trying to win another national title, you know what I Win mean? a big like, 10 title, win a conference title, you know? Yeah, like, and you see a little bit more of the playing around with lineups in the beginning of the season always, but as the season goes on, expect it to, if you have a problem with it now, I mean, expect it to probably just get worse because as the season goes on, like you're going to have people that stay in the lineup because they're the most consistent, they're the highest scoring, you know, they're the ones that have proven themselves. And it's not to say that you can't see people switched out or that you shouldn't be exhibitioning people. But again, all of these teams do all of these teams. We don't always see them on TV, but they always have that person that they ideally have next in line going on every single event. Yeah. And you see them when they're ready. So that's our little piece. Honestly, I woke up this morning just annoyed. <laughs> yeah. To be honest. And well, because I'm seeing a lot of criticism, like I said, of Stanford at this exact moment, but it's been Michigan the past two seasons. Like this has been the narrative that has followed Michigan. And I get it. Like to say that they are not using their underclassmen would be a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> like I'm not yeah. denying that. I'm just gently reminding people that there are usually reasons why. And it's not because of anything malicious or it's not any ill will it's it's honestly it's the exact opposite i think good intentions i think it's these coaches looking out for these athletes physically and mentally and wanting the best for them and wanting to build their confidence and not hurt it because yes you build confidence by going up in the lineup but you also build confidence more by going up in the lineup or the exhibition spot and actually having a good routine right and that was something they want your first routine to be like a 9-8 plus. Right. Like, it doesn't feel good to go up and, sure, let's just exhibition on beam just to, like, get the experience. And then you fall four times and you're embarrassed and everyone's talking about you online. and You know what I mean? like yeah. And all your classmates are in the stands watching you and who knows how many people are watching online. And yeah. it's just, it's a lot. And that this applies to every single team. Um, so it's just something to, I guess, keep in mind. But, I mean, speaking of underclassmen from Michigan, we wanted to shout this out because this happened in the warm-ups and no one else saw it, but Kaylee Boozer... She's a freshman, and we've had people asking about her as well because she's a state champion on beam. And she's a walk-on for Michigan, but she's really, really good. And I believe when we we did our preview for Michigan, we talked about her on beam and the potential for her to maybe get into that lineup. She was not only warming up beam, but she also was warming up floor. And I think beam is absolutely her best shot of potentially cracking into a lineup. She's great on beam. That beam routine that she did in warm-ups, genuinely – was a 995 routine. Mm -hmm. Triple series, nail that, um, leaps completely 180, 180. beautiful toe point, straight legs, like no built-in deductions, and there was not a single wobble. And I asked Miley after the meet, does she do it like that in practice? And she's like, oh, yeah. The thing with her that they've been working on is her dismount. She completely learned a new dismount. She's going for a round off one and a half. And that's what's been inconsistent. So the routine, you know, she's doing a 995-worthy routine, and then she's, you know, essentially botching the dismount. So as soon as they get that dismount consistent, they said that they 100%... That we will see her this season, whether that's in the lineup or as an exhibition, they definitely plan on giving her that experience in some way because she's somebody they're going to be relying on heavily in the future. Yeah. So, send good vibes to Kaylee Boozer and perfecting that beam dismount so we can hopefully see it this season. Yes, I need you guys to see it. I literally tweeted something about it because I was like, the world needs to know. Like, beam queen pending. Absolutely. Also, we might want to give an update on Kaylin Morgan. So, We saw her warming up on Beam. I will admit that she, I think, fell on, like, every single series, at least that I saw her do. Um, But she's moving. (laughs) She's she's doing stuff on Beam. Yeah, she's doing Beam. Her Beam return could honestly be only, like, a couple weeks away. Yes. And then she was warming up on floor as well but nothing major like she was doing like round off back handsprings she was like doing tumbling but not like actual tumbling passes she was doing like the warm-up tumbling so she is she's going on that event as well she's going on all events bev said but yeah um if you didn't see on twitter we posted like a thread highlighting mostly athlete updates from our call with bev on wednesday mm-hmm. right wednesday And she said that Kaylin is coming along the quickest so far on Bars and Beam. Vault and Floor has been a little bit slower, but they expect to have her back midseason on multiple events. We should also probably provide the unfortunate update of Paige Thaxton, sophomore from Michigan. Yeah. I didn't see anyone talking about it, but that's because I don't think many people were in attendance at Michigan's meet because of the snowstorm. And yeah, Paige, I noticed that she wasn't, warming up on vault and then i you know i kind of was like looking around like, she where was is she? originally scheduled in the lineup so i think this is bev didn't mention it when we talked to her on wednesday yeah. and then i got the lineups the day before the meet or maybe it was the morning of and Paige was the lead off in the vault lineup so. so something happened like very recent and she's in a boot um she's walking and you know all that so whatever it is i don't think it's necessarily season ending but it Still a bummer. Still a bummer and another obstacle that Paige is gonna have to overcome. She's one of those athletes that Bev has said has like glass ankles. She has extremely fragile ankles and has so far spent most of her underclassman career injured. And she yeah. she got a couple vaults in there um in preseason and, and she was training the other events. So training a one and a half. Bev literally just told us that she felt like her one and a half may actually be better than her foal. And so it sounded like they were potentially looking at putting her in on that and, and having her go for that vault. And then now she's in a boot, unfortunately. So that's where, that's where Paige is. Yeah, <laughs> that's she's going to be working her way back from something. We'll let you guys know, of course, if we hear more. But with Paige being out, that means Ava Jordan stepped into the lineup. She's a freshman. Got a 9.85 for her Yurchenko foal. Nearly stuck it. Not quite. It was a tiny little hop, but really, really nicely done. She's another athlete that's training your one and a half. Yeah, and Bev it, said she's a vaulter of the future. She absolutely is. I think if she continues to hit, you know, yourchenko fools like that, she's going to stay in that lineup and build and, that confidence for the future. And she also exhibitioned on bars. And it was beautiful. Yeah. She had some, like, small little mistakes, like missed handstands. And I think she had, like, a step on the dismount she was under-rotated I think on the dismount. We ha- we haven't wa- rewatched the meet. We just watched it live and then <laughs> and I like black out. Sometimes when I'm commentating, I forget like immediately right after what happened. So, we had to go back and watch. But it, anyways, it wasn't a perfect routine, but I mean, for an exhibition and her very first time ever doing it at Michigan, I thought it was pretty good and I think she showed a lot of potential. And she has potential on the other events as well. Can't wait to see her on beam and even floor at some point in her career. I think that she's you know, because she's a walk-on athlete, I think she's a little bit more you know, flying under the radar, but she has really clean gymnastics. So I think she's somebody that's going to surprise people in the coming weeks, but in the coming years as well. Yeah. Also have to give a shout out to the Queen, Sierra Brooks, set a new all-around <laughs> program record at Michigan with a 39.85. The record was previously held by her former teammate, Natalie Wojcik, Sarah Kane, and Beth Weimer, Michigan greats. So Sierra Brooks now holds that title alone. So she got a nine nine seven five on vault, which was not, not possible, <laughs> not accurate, and we did call that out on the broadcast. I was like, okay, so one judge obviously thought it was perfect, even <laughs> though she clearly had a hop. There but... was a hop. It was a nine nine five mm-hmm. type of routine, maybe nine nine, mm-hmm. um, depending how picky you want to be, but yeah, definitely not nine nine seven five. I think it was overscored. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot. Like I saw that and I was like, oh God. Twitter's <laughs> going to have a field day with this and they should. So um, um, she also got 995 on bars, 9975 on beam. I'll take that. She got was... a 99 on bars. Did she not? Mm, I have 995. Oh, well then I need to fix my Instagram caption because I said she got a 99 on bars. Um, I think you're spreading misinformation. Oh, <laughs> <I'll> look. <laughs> yeah, I'll look. you should look because I'm pretty sure she got a 99, but I haven't looked. That was just from memory. Please let me be right. I love being right. When it comes to asking You are? Yes. Okay, you're right. Uh-huh. So nine nine on bars. Nine nine seven five. Nine nine, nine seven five on beam. And that was good. Yeah, she nailed that beam routine and then ten on four Which I'm I also think fine was, with. I think was deserved. I mean yeah. it was, I had to go back and rewatch it again, but from what I remember of it, like she was controlled on the landings. There was no obvious deductions. So That's only the second ten on floor that she's Mm-hmm. received in her career and her first 10 on floor was not really accurate. So I'm glad that she has an accurate floor 10 now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um other shout outs Jenna Mulligan, we have to shout her out. She just continues to be steady on Beam in that leadoff spot. She's three for three. I put that on Twitter. Yeah. I mean technically the first one was the exhibition in Chrysler that she got a 9925 on. But truly like three for three in terms of wobble free routines. Yeah. In that th- leadoff spot and her first time ever doing Beam like we love that. And she's calm. She's collected. She does not look fazed. She's just very, like, exactly the vibe you'd want as your leadoff. Yeah. I'm here for Jenna Mulligan in her beam era and her general glow up. Yeah. She's just doing so, so good. She got a career high. So her beam was obviously a career high because the 9925 that she scored, the first one that you're talking about was the exhibition. And obviously that doesn't count. But she got a 9-8 in Vegas and then she got 9825 in the home opener and against that's Stanford largely because of like form issues. Like she, she has some like flexed feet. It's not anything like major, but some judges will take it. And I think there'll be points at the season where we see that they don't take it. Like that routine, if she hits it that way is going to go nine, nine at some point this season. Yeah. Um, it just depends on, I guess, well, especially what, what kind of judges we have at that meet. And especially if she sticks to the dismount, which she didn't do, she took a step. Yeah. But, um, she also got her career high on floor at nine, nine, two, five. And, controlled her passes she's been struggling with that a little bit so good to see her hit, and you know she had a really solid day so shout out to jenna so overall i mean this was a really good meet for michigan something that they should be very very proud of and hopefully will kind of boost their confidence a little bit especially with the the way things went in vegas and i think a lot of people were watching them to see like how they would respond to that quote-unquote adversity and they totally rose to the challenge. Absolutely. And I, you know, there was a little bit of home scoring. Obviously, the 9975 on vault for CR Brooks is mathematically impossible. I think some of the floor scores were probably a little bit high. Yeah, not everyone was a 9925. Right. But like Naomi's routine in particular, she had an under rotated last pass. So I was expecting like, I don't know, like 985, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 9875, got... maybe 99. <laughs> but 9925, I was like, it's a little high. It's a little generous. So, but they achieved the goal of, being better than they were the week prior. And I think that this is more on par with what we can expect to see from Michigan this season score wise. You know, this is we said, it, I think last week that this is a team that when everyone does what they're capable of, they're capable of going over, Way over 197. Yeah, they're a mid to high 197 kind of team. And I think they showed that here. So shout out to Michigan. Love to see the improvements week two. And Stanford, I think they're going to obviously improve once they get freshmen in the lineup. Yeah, and I mean, and of course you look at a score in the 9-3 range and it's alarming, right? Like, and you wonder why they have only the, the five athletes up on vault and bars. Well, and then Brenna Nall fell like three. three or, times. Yeah, on her bar team. Struggling on a pirouette going into the dismount. And that obviously hurts because you know they what? had to count it. She did fall four times because she also had the fall in the dismount. Oh, she did. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, four falls. And they had to count it because of the five ups. So, so she that had was brutal. like Her score was like a seven something. So Somebody, yeah. somebody put on Twitter because Stanford has an angry tree, Leo. And they're like, this is why Stanford <laughs> is angry. The Stanford tree is angry. I'm- also, by the way, on the broadcast, I think it was going into the second rotation. I meant to say like before we went to break, I meant to say the teams are going to flip flop. And I totally said they're gonna flop. And you ended up being right. And I manifested it because Stanford kinda did flop on bars. So <laughs> No, actually I would have been going into Vault then for Stanford. But either way, it was still funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They just got off of a flop. But yeah. honestly, it's week one for them. I was impressed with how they bounced back in the last two rotations with yes. Floor and Beam. So they posted a 49-3 on Floor and then a 49-425 on Beam, which is amazing. Very, very strong. Honestly, Floor impressed me the most. They did not have any endurance issues, really controlled landings for the most part. And Tabitha said that Floor was one of their weaker events this season. She said the leg events. So mm-hmm. I think to have that showing, especially coming off of that rough bar rotation and then vault being kind of like average was huge for them to be able to rebound in that way and then go over to beam and just, you know, be lights out. Yeah. Um definitely a lot of areas they can improve and people that they're gonna wanna have back in those lineups. But I think all things considered, and it being their first week and, you know, the long travel and the snowstorm and You know, being that time of year where people get sick and, you know, all of these extra factors that we sometimes don't think about. Classes starting again. Yeah. And at Stanford, of all places, that's like, I would imagine a stressful place to (laughs) to To be be starting and to be starting a semester. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of things that I think could contribute to a week one performance that's not, you know, 100% what a team could be capable of. So I don't think this is going to be the Stanford, the Stanford. (laughs) <laughs> the standard for Stanford this season. I don't think this is going to be the Stanford that we see this season. Yes. I think this was going to be one of those flukier performances. And I'm not saying that Stanford is going to be like a 197 team next week. Probably not. They're probably also going to be a little bit rough next week. And then probably the week after that, too. I think they're going to build their scores, though. I'd be shocked if we saw another 193. Watch me eat my words on this now. <laughs> but because we have a tendency to do that where we say things, then of course we like jinx it. I it. But. I don't know. I rest my case. I think that Stanford, you know, they have some stuff going on and I think they just need a little bit of time to cook, just like we were talking about with Michigan. So let them cook. We're going to give them permission to cook. Okay. So moving on, we're going to talk about Clemson versus William and next. So this was one that was happening while we were commentating Michigan versus Stanford. So we watched it the following day and I was impressed. Clemson went 196, 325 to William & Mary's 190.05. And I believe, and I want to give a shout-out to the person that originally said this on Twitter. I think it was Integrity of the Process. They said it was the highest opening score for a team in their first season ever in NCAA history. So I think definitely for new teams, like teams that have recently... Started a program that is accurate because we fact-checked that, but we were not able to go back and check every single team and what they well, got way back in the 80s. And it's kind of easy in the sense that, like, a lot of it, at least the the bigger teams that would be capable of going 196, like the teams of that caliber they started their programs back in, like, the 70s or 80s. Yeah. And scoring was, like, way different back then. Like, a score, like, 180.9 was, like, winning you the national championship. Right. So, honestly, that score for Clemson probably actually is the highest score in a first year for a team ever. Like, it probably is that. But for sure, like, out of the newer in recent years. Yeah. So, I looked at Arkansas for a team of, you know, a power five team, you could say. Arkansas started their gymnastics program in 2003 and they had a 193.3 in their inaugural meet so lower than what Stanford got this week by a lot so I, I really do think that Stanford Stanford sorry I said Stanford and it threw you off did you just say Stanford now yeah I did okay I, sa- I said that it's basically it was actually a little lower than what Stanford got this weekend but that was okay Arkansas good so that was opening. your fault not mine yeah no I said Stanford <laughs> You're valid. <laughs> Arkansas had 193.3 in their inaugural meet in 2003. LIU had a 190.575 in their first meet in 2021. And then, obviously, there's been other new teams like Fisk and Talladega and Lindenwood, but they've all been, like, below the 190 mark. They don't even break 190, especially in their first meet. And we knew with Clemson coming out the gate that they were going to be strong. I mean, they had basically, like, half of Utah State's roster. They had some talented freshmen coming in, like Lily Lipiet or, or they're saying, how are they pronouncing her last name? Lipit, Lippet. I think we've always said Lippet. Um, We'll look into that and figure out <laughs> With the correct... I don't always trust... I would hope that they would have a pronunciation guide so that... But you know correctly. that they don't always check that. <laughs> so, for now, we'll just say what he said, which is Lily Lipit. Yes. um, They also had Caitlin DeGuzman transfer from Kentucky. They had Lauren... We've been saying Rutherford. They're saying Rutherford. Mm-hmm. So, Lauren Rutherford from NC State... So they've had yeah they've had some talented transfers and honestly this is kind of what I expected for them you know mm-hmm. them going over one nine six in their first meet doesn't really surprise me with the level of talent that they had on their team I was impressed with the ten oh start values on vault yeah so they had five. Not all of them were in the lineup. They had two in their exhibition spots. They had, like, two or three athletes in every event The exhibition. So go off Clemson. Show your depth. They're like, we – some of these girls haven't competed in almost two years. We are going to make you sit here for five hours just be exhibition. I don't blame them, though. (laughs) What you just said is so true. It's the fact that these athletes have not competed in so long that, like, they have a meet, and they're like, okay, everyone's going at every event. (laughs) Love that for them. Using their depth. But, like I said, they had five one and a half that they showed. Molly Arnold with one and a half. Lauren Rutherford with one and a half. Rutherford. Rutherford. What did I say? Rutherford. Rutherford. It. Madison Minner did a tucked one and a half. And, interesting story. They were saying how she was a student at Clemson, wasn't doing gymnastics. Obviously, she was a former gymnast. She wasn't just like this random person that has never done gymnastics. But, um, could you imagine? <laughs> Apparently, Amy Smith went and like was watching her practice and was like, "Okay, I can see the potential and she has a a tucked one and a half, as you just mentioned, but she also has a front double full on floor, so she has some like big skills for somebody so, that must not have been recruited originally or maybe didn't want to go to college. I don't know what her story is, but an underrated gem perhaps. yeah, and then how cool for her to be on this inaugural team at Clemson and to be in the first lineup. I mean, she made the vault lineup and she was an exhibition on floor. So that's kind of cool. They also had Maggie Holman doing the front handspring front pike half. And then Lily Lippet with the full on pike off. So lots of potential there in that lineup. That's also not even to mention Trinity Brown. Yeah. We've seen her training a one and a half, but regardless, she has a very nice full and Brie Clark. And I don't know if this is something that's ever going to materialize, but she was doing a soup full I saw over the summer training yeah. that on vault so, so they have loads of potential and room to grow on this event. and we knew about some of the one and a halves but i didn't know that they had all of this in the work so I, I was pleasantly surprised and also for it being their first meet ever and the first meet of the season they actually looked pretty good i wasn't expecting them to look like that strong coming out with the e-passes the ten o start values on vault so yeah, yeah i mean there's Plenty of room to improve and lots of room to grow for this team, but a really good starting point for them. And I got to give it to them for their crowd. They had over 8,000 people in the crowd. Great turnout for their first meet. Honestly, it was very much like SEC vibes. Oh, totally. And I think we also predicted that, you know, with Clemson being such a top athletic program, like they have a very big football program, a a fan base that's dedicated and into sports, passionate about sports. I think they felt that this weekend. They had a lot of people show up to support them. And I love to see that. A team in their first season, we don't often see... Not only that score, but also that level of attendance right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Their season ticket holders, I think yeah. they said, was
1: six on,
0: on the broadcast. They said they're six; they're ranked six nationally in season ticket sales, so they're right up there with like the top Utah teams. and LSU and UCLA, like all the top teams. Clemson is in there. Clemson's actually on top of like some other top teams in the SEC and you know so like programs that, is, that have been around much longer and much more established than Clemson is. So that is huge for them. It's just so great to see them having success in you know, their first meet ever as a program. And knowing that they have the tools to continue to get better, they have this gorgeous brand new training facility and yeah. some high-tech stuff going on in that gym, I know. So, yeah, I just think it's really, really great. And I'm excited to see how they go throughout the rest of the season because I think I think they're going to do big things. Also, I want to shout out Lily Lippett She did all four events. Not every event was in the lineup. Like, Vault, for sure. I think she only did yeah. the exhibition. I think the others were in the lineup, though. I think so. She got a 9-9 on bars, Beautiful routine. Actually, was really impressed with Clemson on bars as well. And then Brie Clark on floor, 9-9 as well. Very on par with what she was doing before this year hiatus when she transferred to Clemson. So, so excited to have her back. My fantasy teams are grateful. I am grateful. I love her gymnastics, her glorious double layout. And I'm just happy to have her back in the NCAA again. Okay, so we have to talk the most important part, the Leo. <laughs> <laughs> the Leo the Leo choice was, it was interesting. That. It was a choice. It was a choice. And I could see why somebody would like it. I personally didn't really like it. It's very prideful of being a tiger. Yeah. Cuz they're, they're quite literally a tiger. Yeah, it was tiger stripes throughout the entire Leotard front and back. Um it was just a bit much for me. I understand. I understand why they do it. Obviously they're tigers. It just felt like a little bit much. Like, can we get, like, a tiger print somewhere on the leotard, but not have it be the whole leotard? Right. I think I like leotards that are a little more subtle. Yeah. Um, and this was very in-your-face. It's reminiscent of the Auburn Ruffle, Ruffle Leo yeah. and, you know, Florida with their sleeveless, you know, kind of almost, like, t-shirt it's just It's so different. And different's not always a bad thing, but I don't know. I, I felt like it was... Some choices are very, like out there and in your face and this is one of those. Yeah honestly it also kind of reminds me of some of the leotards that were worn back in the 80s 80s or 90s. Yeah like the stripes. Yeah it was that level of obnoxious. What I think I don't like about it is that that type of style doesn't look flattering on everybody Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that because i have like somebody in mind i'm like this doesn't look flattering on her i'm more thinking for like myself if i was an athlete yeah like i feel like something when you have patterns on you i just feel like whether it's stripes or tiger print or you know any sort of like animal print i just don't think that like everybody prefers that it's hard to make that look good on everybody yeah, and it, have that be their style. It just and felt what, more like a costume to me than an actual, like, we're going to compete in this And I, <laughs> leotard. Could, I could see that. And I think I would agree. So, And that's no shade to Clemson because I think this is totally one of those things where people are allowed to have their preferences and their opinions. And that's totally okay. Yeah. And I saw people online saying that they like this leotard. Just like the Stanford angry tree, Leo. <laughs> I was kind of like, mm, I don't know how I feel about that. But the the eyes, people loved it. It's very... Very silly. I thought it was kind of funny. I I do think it's it iconic. is funny, but I don't know if I'm a gymnast if I want to wear a leotard that's like a gimmick. Do you think it's childish? Kind of, or it's it's a gimmick. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. I just no, I, that's totally. If valid. I was an athlete, I would want to look like elegant. I want to look pretty. You want to look your age. Yeah, I don't want to look like, have a leotard on that's a joke. Yeah. So it that's was, just my opinion. Yeah, I, I did think the Stanford's was funny. I did like it for that reason, but. I see what you're saying. And ultimately, like, I think I agree. Like, not some of my favorite Leos from this weekend, but also, like you said, so many people did like them. And... To each their own. Yes. That's the beauty of gymnastics. We all have our opinions That's the beauty of life, you know? Everyone can have their opinions. Yeah. And it's all valid, right? Like, your opinion's valid, and so is mine. I mean, some people would tell you that it's not, but... (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's also the problem with the internet these days, is that we all think that... (laughs) But I mean to summarize, I I'm so happy with how Clemson did in their inaugural meet. I think they did amazing, and with how many season ticket holders they have, just knowing that they're going to continue to have those big turnouts at their meets, I think that and they that a... hype is going to like elevate their gymnastics. And not to mention their great recruiting class with Kalise Wolford, Brooke Pearson. I mean, mm-hmm. they have some great athletes coming in too. So they're I think gonna there's build a lot of big things ahead of Clemson. Next, we're gonna talk about Florida versus George Washington. Talladega in their first me ever, Yay. and and also Fisk. because of Fisk, the first like HBCU showdown, the first mm-hmm. HBCU head to head that we've mm-hmm. ever seen, super exciting, uh, love it. So Florida came out on top with a one nine seven one. George Washington posted a one nine four five five. Fisk edged out Talladega with a one eight nine nine five, and then Talladega posted a one eight seven seven five. So first, since we're talking about leotards, I want to start with Florida's Leo. Love the Pride Leo. I loved it. Black with some rainbow going on. It's simple. It's prideful. It was beautiful. Yeah. I want to say it's up there with probably with UCLA's Pride Leo as like my favorite Pride Leos. Are you talking about the watercolor one? Yes. Okay. I love that one too. Yeah. So A plus for Florida on the Pride Leo. Also love repping, you know, gay pride in the South. Yeah, somebody said, somebody said Florida, oh, I gotta find the exact tweet. They basically said about oh, Ron DeSantis, who's the governor of Florida, and he's a raging Republican. They said something about him, like, this is like the best way to piss him off, is to have like Florida wearing Pride meets. <laughs> yeah, too bad they didn't do it, though, on like a nationally televised meet. That been- That's the next step. Okay, next season they can do that. That was amazing. But Florida's never had a Pride Leo, I don't believe. so. Mm-mm. They've done like Pride meets, I think, with like the ribbons in the hair. But yeah, but not a pride Leo. Yes. So we love when SEC teams do pride meets and wear pride leos. Yeah, because a lot of the SEC teams do tend to be in the South where, you know, those types of things tend to not be as accepted. So love to see. We love that. We love the progressiveness of Florida's team. Lots of new faces in the lineup for Florida, which is, I think, to be expected with their huge freshman class. Yeah, and extremely, not just huge, but extremely talented freshman class. Oh, like, yeah. One of the best. So Anya Pilgrim won the all-around with a 39.525. That's the highest all-around score for a Gator freshman ever in history. And she also won vault bars, and floor in her debut, which is not an easy thing to do on that Florida team. No. So, like, shout out She's to her. amazing. Also, we saw Danny Ferris on fall. That was a pleasant surprise. We didn't know for sure. They were thinking end of February, beginning... End of January, I mean, beginning I was of February. Say, like, Did she say end of February? I don't recall that. <laughs> no. End of January, beginning of February to get back. But obviously, it wasn't, like, a serious injury. It was just she fell off her bike and injured her thumb. But... It was just a matter of like getting her back in the gym and getting it consistent. But I was happy with the vault that she did. That block is it's gotta be one of the greatest that we've ever seen. And like... the form is so good. Honestly, she sticks to that landing, it's gonna be a, a huge score. It yeah. could go ten. Yeah. The only deductions on that vault are gonna come on the landing. So... Yeah. So she scored a nine, eight, two, five in her debut. Um, but it was because honestly, the landing she had I think two little hops on yeah. that landing. Well, she had a larger hop and then she had a smaller hop after yeah. it. But once she gets that nailed down you know that's a that's 99 plus every single time also skylar i want to talk about her yeah she's somebody that i didn't necessarily know where she was going to fit into a full strength florida lineup and granted these were not florida's full strength lineups but like she had an amazing debut 985 on vault, 9875 on beam 985 on floor yeah what a day and I hope that that proves, and especially if she's consistent in the gym, that she's, you know, worthy of being considered for at least one of the lineups. Well, and that's something that when we had Jenny Rowland on the show, she talked about with Skylar. Like, she's not going to be, like, at least right out the gate, that, like anchor on floor you know what i mean like that person that's going up and getting like a 995 in their first meet but like Mm -hmm. she's kind of like that silent but deadly consistent queen yeah and could potentially make a really good lead off on any of these events so i really hope that she continues to stay in the lineups because she's a freshman that i feel like i haven't really seen too many people talking about yeah so i think she's kind of flying under the radar a little bit being slept on a little bit and i am just really excited to see like how she continues to progress throughout season but also the rest of her career mm-hmm. morgan heard hello <laughs> beam and floor in the lineup so and that was her beam debut i believe yes and then floor she had done a couple, a couple routines last year but they weren't up to you know her normal standard she got a 9875 on floor and a 98 on beam so obviously still room to improve but I think a good starting point for Morgan in her first meet of the season. I'm just thrilled to see her in lineups and thriving. Somebody is vacuuming in the apartment above us, so (laughs) hopefully you guys can't hear that. I think we should be good. I think as long as we're talking into the mics, people probably... It's not going to pick up that sound. Okay, we'll just continuously talk. And It's the background ambiance. You know that one episode where we were in Florida and we had the ocean behind us? Now you guys get a vacuum behind us. Yeah, I'm sure exactly what you want. (laughs) But yeah, super happy to see Morgan in the lineups, and I think this is going to be her year. And I don't want to jinx her, so I'm going to just gently knock on wood here. Like, I don't want to jinx anything, and I think we have a tendency to do that sometimes. Yeah, so why are you doing it? No, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Because I just... It's a vibe. I just feel like this is going to be her year. No, you have to speak things into existence sometimes. I think you're manifesting it, and I think sometimes you eat your words, but sometimes you don't, you know? And like... If you have a feeling and you feel strongly, you gotta put it out there. And then when it ends up being true, you'll be able to look back and be like, "See, I told y'all. Like, I knew this was coming." Yeah. You know? So I feel like put it out there, girl. Overall, I feel like people were being a little bit dramatic about Florida online. Like, were they? That's so shocking. I know, right? <laughs> a one nine seven one for an opening score is like not bad at all. Like, no. only two, only four teams last week even went over 197. Yeah. So, like, Florida's very on par with what most of the top teams are doing in their first And week. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. I remember the times back in, like, 2015 when the top teams in the nation would be in, like, the high 196 range. The and that first was, couple. like, everybody doing that. Yeah. And, like, that used to just be how the season started. <laughs> like, it was good if you went. Like, I remember... And I think we said this last week. I remember, you know, certain teams going 1965, me being like, yeah, all right, like that's it. Like this is going to be an awesome season. And now we expect. And now it's like, like, you're trash if you went (laughs) 1971. Yeah, you basically have to go mid to high 197 in order for people to not like rip on your team. I think the standards have just been raised so high, probably because of overscoring. No, totally. I think it's inflation. I think that. Once you see teams going 1-9-8 in their season openers or near that, it kind of sets the expectation that, like, this can happen in the first meet of the season. And therefore, if you don't do that, something's wrong. Yeah. And scores have gotten so high in recent years. Like, it's kind of always been a problem to some extent, but, like, definitely in more recent times, scoring has gotten ridiculous for example like we just mentioned at the top sierra brooks getting a 9975 on vault for a vault ahead of hop mm-hmm. and we see that we see that with every team throughout the season and it's not going to stop like no we're some you know, so we have th- feelings about it now and get ready to have feelings about it next week because- somebody is going to get a 10 with a hop like it's just going to happen and it's incredibly frustrating and not good for the sport. Because I also think that it kind of sets unrealistic expectations score wise. Like, obviously, you can all watch a routine as gymnastics fans and know roughly what it should score. But I think when people just look at the scores and they don't watch the meat, it gives a false expectation well, i guess maybe it is a false expectation. it is because it- imagine being a random student not a gymnastics fan say you go to i don't well, i won't name a university because i don't want people to think that i'm like coming after a certain school but imagine you're just a student and you're in the student section and the gymnast gets a 10 when they had a hop like a clear obvious hop on their landing and you see the judge flashes the 10. Everyone's going crazy. That was amazing. That was a 10-hour routine. But, like, it actually wasn't. And, like, but now you think it is. Yeah. Now you're going to come to next week's meet and do the same thing. And if that gymnast doesn't get a 10 because those judges the next week decide not to give it a 10 with a hop, you're going to be mad because you got it got a 10 last week and that routine was a 10 and it had a hop. So, I mean, that's fine, it just right? It creates a lot of confusion. And I know gymnastics fans don't necessarily – fall into that category but I do think in general when you get so used to seeing teams consistently going high 197 to even 98 range when you suddenly see like a lower score even if it's the first week people tend to be like whoa like what happened to them Florida had a mistake on bars their freshman Alyssa Arena foul and then Sloan Blakely had not her best routine so they did have to count a low score in there so like for sure not their best but like everything else was pretty like on par with what I would expect from a first meet yeah so I just felt like this I don't know like people are way too quick to jump to conclusions after week one or week two even week three like you really shouldn't be forming any sort of conclusions about how a season's gonna end for a team really until at least (laughs) mid-season Yeah. Like that's when like, things you can start to take maybe shape. start saying that in like mid February. I-, I will accept that. Like, like we can start to have those conversations. Right now then. we should not be talking about like Florida's potential this season based off of just one Like meeting. they didn't even have full strength lineups Ali Lazari has a bruised heel and was only doing beam, which she got a nine nine seven five by the way. So like shout out. Amazing. But you know, she's somebody who's expected to be an all arounder and has huge all around potential for them and she wasn't in the lineups. No Leanne on floor, Sloan wasn't on beam and floor, Peyton wasn't on vault. So like Yeah, Peyton only did floor and it was like a nine seven seven five, I think. Yeah. So like so it's just not their full potential and like we, we know that. But to me the fact that it's week one and it's not their full strength lineups and they're going one nine seven one is actually a really positive thing. <laughs> Snuggle. It is. Like that speaks to me like <laughs> the potential that they have. So I don't know. That's just how I look at it. But <laughs> it's definitely interesting to see the discourse online for sure. Yeah. Um, wanna wrap up this meet with giving a shout-out to George Washington's Kendall Whitman. Yes. So her vote was so good. Yeah, she does a front handspring onto the spring board, then a front handspring onto the table, and then a layout half twist. She nearly stuck it, got a 985, and that's actually her vault. Like, it's named after her in the level 10 code of points. And it's just so cool to see a vault like that in college because you you really don't see that at all, period. Like, honestly, I don't know. I mean, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that I've seen anyone else do that vault besides her. I'm sure somebody has. I know but... people do, like, the front handspring onto the board, front handspring onto the table. Like, I know people do that entry vault. But I don't think I've seen like her variation of it. You know what I mean? Like I haven't yeah. seen the the layout half with all of that going on before. <laughs> so so it's it cool. really catches your eye. Yeah, it's it's cool, and I um I appreciate her doing it and doing it as well as she does. It, it makes it really exciting. Okay, so next we're gonna talk about the Sprouts Farmers Market collegiate quad (laughs) did i say that right you did you were like struggling to get it out but you did it so So there was three sessions of this competition lots of teams competing and i think the one we're going to mainly focus on we're going to talk a little bit about session three but session two was the one that had oklahoma lsu utah and ucla it was basically like a mini final four yeah although it kind of ended up being a mid off in the end with the exception of oklahoma (laughs) but at least it was like the mid was like equally distributed yeah, you know I mean? so it so did end up being it, be it like was a tight, it was competitive right? in the sense that like they were all kind of on the same level and scoring kind of the same. Yeah. Um, but maybe in terms of what we were expecting, like, I think maybe going into this, we were like, oh, like, they're all going to get one and like tens are going to be flying everywhere. And it was like, actually, you're all getting nine sevens. <laughs> That's especially how it started. Like scoring did get a little bit wacky towards the end. But like when it, this meet started, they were going like, you know, taking every deduction. That I was yeah. like, okay, judges. It was like the super 16 all over again, although maybe not as no, bad. Was, I still think the super 16 was way, <laughs> way, way <stricter>. harsher. <laughs> yeah. But anyways... I love to see judges taking deductions. So the most important thing from this competition was, A, the fact that it was on ABC. We love gymnastics being on national television. And a station that everybody gets for the most part. Except we didn't. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. except for us. As we're logged into our parents' YouTube TV (laughs) because we don't have ABC. Yeah, because Sling doesn't have it. Unless we're, like, missing something. Maybe it's in a different package. But we have slain. It's a local blue channel. and orange. And we still don't have No, it. it's because ABC is, like... It depends on where you live. You'll get, like, you are a local station, I believe. If I'm wrong, someone correct me. But I looked into it. And long story short, no, you can't get an that. Okay, so actually scratch what I just said. <laughs> Apparently, everyone does not get it because we, despite all of the different, like, we have, channels. We have logins for everything. We literally have a login for everything. And and it now is on YouTube TV. But it, we, we had, had to use our parents' login <laughs> because we don't have ABC. But so, anyways, I mean, other than that, it's probably mostly true. She's spreading false information right from the start here. <laughs> no, it, for it to be, all jokes aside, for it to be on national television, is amazing. My only request, my only little tweak for next year is that we get it in primetime because yeah. more people tend to watch in primetime. It's just, you know, people are sitting on their couches, after work, whatever, and like, you know, flip the stations. And this is a stations. big meet. These are four teams that could legitimately be the final four. Yeah. So... So maybe a little adjustment for next year, if there's any way we can make that happen. If anyone knows anybody be ABC, slide in their DMs. <laughs> but I do have to say, there's already so many adjustments that have been made that yeah. I'm very, very pleased with. This new format, I think we touched on it a little bit last week, but I love this new format for quad meets. They'll be doing it for postseason meets as well, where you have two events going at the same time. So they start with vault and bars, and then, you know beam and floor and it kind of ends up staggering a little bit so you pretty much can see every single routine Mm -hmm. in fact at this meet they showed 95 out of 96 routines which is really impressive and if they did miss something like faith torres on vault for example they didn't show it live they went back and showed it on replay love that so the fact that we got to see we're so used to especially in a legionastic sorry to interrupt you but we're so used to seeing <laughs> we're also used to interrupting each other so. yeah i know i hope people don't mind when we're like talking this is how we talk when we're not recording a podcast we sometimes yell we sometimes talk over each other we finish each other's sentences we get louder if we think what we have to say is more important <laughs> exactly <laughs> so just know that like this is how we just communicate with each other and if it's annoying we apologize but like we we personally are not bothered <laughs> by it we're just used Like she could interrupt me, I could interrupt her, and we're like, I don't care. I'm like, yeah, go off. Like, you're about to (laughs) say something great, I'm sure. I was saying that we're so used to, particularly with elite gymnastics, missing like 90% of the competition and instead watching people stand around. Yeah. So and it's it's a little bit better in college. College doesn't do the whole like following people on the sidelines and like watching people just stand there.
1: But this is the first
0: time we've had a quad meet where we have seen literally all but one routine. Well, and like, so when they do the actual quad screen, you tend to catch everything, but this is a little bit different because it's easier to follow because there's only two people up at a time. And this goes for the people that are in the arena as well. Like you get to see more because yes, you might have four people up on your screen, but you're still missing people because you cannot watch four things at the same time. And I feel like you process it in a different way. Like being in person, watching you know, the NCAA championship, it's really hard if you were to talk to me after the meet and be like, what did you think about this routine and this routine? There's a good possibility that I could be like, I don't remember because <laughs> did I watch it? Like, <laughs> or like, you I think kind I, of saw it. I but... think I saw them out of the corner of my eye. I think she stuck. Like, I think I saw this. Yeah, because you you're know literally, I mean? your eyes are literally darting back and forth. And that's messed up that somebody that could be in the arena immediately after the fact could be like, wait, did we see this person? Or like, wait, well, how did they do? Yeah. Because there's so much that you're trying to watch and process. And you're trying to look at scores and you know what right. I mean? Like this format is just so, so much better. Yeah, because even if you have like, say, beam and floor going on at the same time, the chances that they're tumbling or doing like a series on beam at the same exact time, I mean it could happen, but it's not as likely. Like the chances of one person doing a series on beam while the other person's dancing on floor, it gives you time to look away. Sometimes it doesn't work out like that, but <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. I mean, for the most part, I feel like We actually got to process more routines than we normally do when we have just all four all four screens presented to us at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's just a little bit easier to follow and easier to process. So, and like you said, we only missed one routine, I think, from the entire competition. Collegiate quad. (laughs) Yeah, all three sessions. So that's pretty impressive. We love that. Okay, so moving on to the actual gymnastics. Starting with obviously that second session, Oklahoma came out on top with a 1979. Improving on their mark from last week, slowly inching their way towards that 198 mark. I have a feeling it's coming very, very soon. (laughs) Probably next week. Are they at home next week? I don't know off the top of my head. Probably though, because they were away the first two weeks. You know what? I think they are again. They're reversing, um, I believe, UCLA oh because somebody be... somebody posted you should look that up right now actually to verify that to. somebody posted like this meme of this person like basically like struggling they're like sweating and they look like they're like in panic mode uh-huh. and it's like ucla after having to compete against oklahoma three times in a row <laughs> literally <laughs> that would be me but oklahoma's gotta be home okay so no oklahoma stanford and ucla are at denver Oh, so Oklahoma's away three weeks in a row? Yeah. That's intense. With UCLA. (laughs) That's intense. And that's not like super close states either. Like they are traveling. But I mean, It's, it's not affecting them. No, and I guess that maybe just further proves my point of what I'm about to say. I just, kind of going off what we said last week, I think that the level of preparedness that OU starts the season out with, the way that they maintain that throughout the season, the level of precision that they compete with and the confidence they compete with. And even if they do face some small level of adversity with somebody making a mistake, you know, like and Smith on beam, for example. Or somebody getting injured before the meet. Danae Fletcher, yep. We found out that before the meet, she yeah. injured herself. The day before. The day before. Practice. And now she's on crutches. So and crutches usually are not a good sign. That usually means that you're out for a bit. So mm-hmm. if we see Denae Fletcher again this season, it probably won't be till like the end, if at all. So that's adversity, though, for this team already, right out the gate pretty much. And the fact that they are so deep as a team that they could pull out anybody on their roster for the most part and put them in on any event and they can go up and get pretty much the same score that whoever they're replacing would have gotten mm-hmm. is something that no other team can say. And they've been operating this way for a while, um, but it seems to not be slowing down anytime soon with the, you know, the recruiting classes that they have coming in. And I I really, (laughs) I, I love, she does not have words. (laughs) No, I just, I mean, it's This is great for them. And like, you can't deny them of this level of success that they are achieving. Like they have a hundred percent earned the right to be at this level and to be, um, what is the, what is the word that I'm trying to say? Owning their dynasty. Yeah, I guess cementing their dynasty. (laughs) Like, there really is nobody that's doing it consistently the way that they are. So, you know, I kind of feel bad sometimes with Oklahoma because I really don't ever have too much to say about them, honestly. Like, all these other teams, I'm like, I could do -do -do -do," for like a half hour. And Oklahoma, it's just like, yeah, Oklahoma looked like Oklahoma again. And I don't want to undermine the incredible work that they're doing (laughs) (laughs) because, like, I, I truly think that they are, they're not unstoppable, but they are. Whatever the notch below Unstoppable is, I mean, we know they can be beaten because you know there was a certain team that did it last year. <laughs> <laughs> it is possible to beat them. They do sometimes have off meets, but for the most part, like you can't, you cannot bank on that. Yeah, <laughs> like these other teams are just simply going to have to step up if anybody wants to beat them. Yeah, we can't rely on them. You know, having injuries or being inconsistent because they don't rarely do that. They are largely a healthy team and a consistent team yeah so they went forty nine four five or higher on every single event yeah which is meet. basically really close to a 198 pace just under the 198 pace which again with that 1979 score they find a couple tenths there boom you got a 198 and they weren't perfect i mean there was areas like they're they had, they're not sticking vaults yeah there were some bar dismounts that weren't stuck so yep. areas that they can easily gain several tenths. Yeah. And put themselves, you know, well into that one nine eight range. So this is a team that I think, you know, within the next week, maybe a couple weeks, they are gonna start to be the consistent one nine eight plus team again. Yep. <laughs> we wanted to shout out Faith Torres. Yeah. Very ra- underrated, very rated, very underrated, <laughs> all around star for oklahoma she's just so consistent and i feel like every time we look at her she's doing the same exact thing over and over again yeah she actually didn't win the all around here i believe Haley bryant and audrey davis tied for the all around but i just wanted to give faith Torres a shout out because i feel like we're not talking about her enough as an all-arounder and when we think mm-hmm. about you know big picture nationally who's gonna win the all-around title You know, there's a lot of names that come into the conversation. Jordan Bowers, Haley Bryant, Sierra Brooks. Well, and Faith wasn't consistently doing all-around last season. Like, she was not in the vault lineup very much. Um, I think she was in the other events pretty consistently. But this, fingers crossed, is going to be the year that maybe she stays in as an all-arounder. And we also have Kat LaVasser, who now two weeks in a row has been doing all-around. So, yeah, just things to keep your eye. on. I think, like I said, big picture when we're talking about who can contend for that national all-around title. I think that Faith and even Kat Lavasser, like you said, we haven't really talked about them a whole lot because they weren't doing all around, at least consistently. But I think this season it's going to be a different story. Mm-hmm. So LSU finished second with a 197.15. And that's really impressive given the way that they started the competition. <laughs> oh, totally. They had another rough start on Beam. They had a rough time on Beam last week as well. I feel like that's the one event. If LSU is going to catch OU or get even close to catching OU, They're going to have to figure out beam because that was kind of the one event last year that was shaking. And as I started to have injuries, it kind of got like even more challenging. So they took Connor out of the beam lineup and replaced her with Annie Beard, which was nice to see her. She was injured last season, so we didn't get to see her compete. And she has a lot of potential. Like she doesn't have built in deduction. She's a beautiful gymnast. Honestly, kind of gives me like in terms of the way that she moves. Christina Desiderio vibes or like Aaron McAdag vibes. It's the leadoff vibe. Yeah. And, and I, I agree. I think that she has the potential to be a really solid leadoff for them. Mm. I think this was first meet jitters. I mean, she's not a freshman. She's a sophomore, but well, she's never she, competed. She so. hasn't competed in a long time. But I, I want to say before coming to LSU, she was dealing with injuries and she may have competed like a little bit here and there in her last level 10 season but if I'm remembering correctly she was injured that year before coming to LSU so I mean she's from Texas dreams so right she she has been injured in her career a lot and you know this is her first time getting back out there on podium in a pressure situation no totally that's a really really good point honestly so it's one of those things like I don't think anyone should panic just yet. I honestly think that Annie Beard will figure it out i think she'll get her composure get some confidence mm. it might take her a couple of weeks to kind of get that going but i would hope and i think that she'll be a really solid leadoff for them and then it's kind of just like not letting that trickle effect happen um sometimes when somebody makes a mistake early on in LSU's lineup we see them kind of get tight you know that's what we saw last week with connor following a fall and again she's a freshman and no, so I think these things happen in the beginning of the season so as always we kind of just urge people to like not panic I think the fan is sometimes you know <laughs> we, we we care so much about our teams and then when they don't perform maybe up to the level that we think that they're capable of we get a little bit like
1: oh my god like what's
0: happening yeah like are we gonna make nationals are we gonna make the final four are we gonna win and it's like again remember that t-shirt that we talked about last week the <laughs> calm down it's week one we'll have another t-shirt now uh, you can turn it inside out yeah and it says calm down it's week two <laughs> Because I think, honestly, week one and week two very much have the same vibes. Or maybe the shirts can have like um, velcro Velcro. on it and you can change the look the week. So calm down, it's a week and you put one on and then you switch (laughs) it and put two. But then I think after after week three, I feel like the shirt gets retired for the season. Yeah. Because I feel like when you hit week four, that's when you kind of start to get in your like... Like, okay, we can kind of start talking about this is a problem or I can see this team doing this, you know? Right. (laughs) It's too early to predict anything right now. But anyways, I'm just... Reassuring the LSU fans. I think that they have a really great team. And I do think that they can be one of the top four teams at the end of the season. They do got to figure beam out and get the confidence, but I, I have faith they have the depth this year. So yeah. well, like you said, particularly on Beam not letting it trickle through the rest of the lineup because we saw that here. We had Alexis Jeffrey who was in the leadoff spot, had a pretty big wobble. So she got a nine, seven, seven, five, not disastrous or anything, but then Annie Beard foul. So it's like, okay. So now that nine, seven, seven, five is counting. And then, Kaya Johnson went up and later in the lineup. Yeah. Like I forgot. She was like third second. to last or something or second to last. Yeah. yeah, second. She was later in the lineup and then she went up and she didn't fall, but she had a really, really shaky routine. She she broke her, her, uh, her leap series connection, which you need to have a 10.0 start value. And she was smart and threw it in at the end of the routine, but there were still all kinds of deductions in that routine Ended up getting a 9.375 if they had a cow, And then yeah. they also had, like you said, two 9.775s 7, 7, also that they were counting at that point. So, like, not disastrous. Like, they definitely avoided disaster, but it still wasn't really strong. They're definitely going to be looking to improve on that, you know, as season goes on. Right. But they came back really strong, though. They went to Florianópolis and went forty-nine five two five. Yeah, I think the highlights of that rotation: KJ Johnson got a nine nine two five. She had a great routine, really amazing control. Aaliyah Finnegan got a nine nine seven five that I felt maybe was just like a 10 too high <laughs> a, a tad. like i would have i would have gone 995 for it yeah so like i'm not complaining um i, I think i saw the 9975 now. the like... last pass it's the way she's stepping out which you're allowed to take the step but, but she it... did it week one too and i yeah. feel like she wasn't doing like it she wasn't doing it like that last season yeah i don't even know how to explain it i'd had to put him side by side to like compare what she was doing last year to this year something is different about the way she's stepping i think last year it was just more controlled looking yeah this looks like she's like fighting to stay in bounds yes like she's stepping and the step is allowed, but like she's dangerously close to going out of bounds. So she's like not completely fully stepping forward. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, no, totally. It's, 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 it's a lack of control. It's That's like it a is. whoa kind of step. Like yeah. I'm almost out. I got to hold it in. So she got a 9975. And honestly, we're just going to say this now because we're going to be saying this a lot throughout the rest of this podcast. And this entire weekend, it was true. A lot of 9975s awarded that were not nine nine seven fives like yeah. routines that should have been nine nine or nine nine five at the most we're going nine nine seven five and so that happened the theme This theme of the weekend this was just one of them but but, the, but they came back strong yes. a, a great way to bounce back and i think from there they kind of like picked up the momentum a little bit i do need a moment of silence for amari and not being in the floor lineup okay <laughs> you're laughing Okay, now why wasn't she in the floor lineup? Right. She got a 9-2-5 last week, and she's healthy, at least as far as we know, because she did fall. So she must, I mean, she I must think... not be consistent? No, I think it's just LSU is the new UCLA a couple years ago where you can never predict your lineups. Basically, if you have LSU to this on your fantasy teams, have fun. Good luck. Like, the lineups, I think, are just going to constantly be switching. You say that because of the depth? Yeah, I think they're just trying to throw people in, see what sticks, see how people do, give people experience, rest people. Because I personally, and again, kind of like we were saying earlier in this episode, I'm not the coaches, I'm not in the gym, so I have no idea if what If I happens. was resting people, I would be resting Kaya Johnson right now. And then, like, using Amari, Drayton, because she's a freshman. Well, and I could see in this meet in particular, because it was against three big top teams, like, this could simulate very much the pressure of an NCAA Final Four. So I get that. I get pulling out your big people for this meet. I don't Mm. have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with the lineups in general, I guess, to be honest with you. Like, everyone came through. They did their job. I think I was just expecting Because Because she did so well. Because she got a 9925, and she looked great. Like, tumbling is great. Well, she has a lead experience. You know, she's just kind of the athlete that you know you can she's like Finn again. she's the athlete that you know you can count on and yeah she, it's funny to say that for someone who's a freshman but like i i you just know she's gonna be good and i think you would expect her to be in the floor lineup just looking at over other people like livy don who has a lot of built-in deductions yes and that's no shade towards livy don but i just i think i would initially think like if you were to ask me what i were to predict for this lineup i would hands down 100 percent all day every day have amari drayton in somewhere livy don in those six spots I don't know who you're taking out, but like somehow, some way, Amari Drayton is one of those six spots. And they have a strong floor lineup. So I agree with you saying that. Like, I think that this team is so deep that that is the issue with being on a team this deep is that you have somebody who is capable of, you know, potentially going 9-9 plus every week or almost every week, potentially not making a lineup because everybody in the lineup is pretty much going 9 8, yeah. 5 plus every week. And like we said you're not you're not taking out Sierra Ballard. She's so solid, I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, so then it's like, Who do you take out? Yeah. So it's going to be, I think it's a battle that us fantasy gym players are going to have, especially those of you with freshman teams like us. Mm -hmm. RIP to the freshman team. It's struggling. We right now do not have a floor score. (laughs) So (laughs) life is great. I think though with LSU, it's also very, very possible that like we talked about in the beginning of this episode, it could also be like maybe she's not feeling well. Maybe she is dealing with like a slight cramp or ache in her body somewhere maybe she was struggling with the podium and maybe she was flying out of bounds you know what i mean totally like, totally there could be so many reasons why we didn't see amari drayton this week and i think that we're going to see her again on floor yes on floor i want to clarify that we did see her on vault yes but um whatever it is i hope that we get to see her soon and we had to shout out uneven bars that was the last rotation for lsu They went 4965, which was the highest score of the entire competition. Thanks to Connor McLean's perfect 10 on bars. That I think there's this video going around right now of you could see her pack and she has a, a pretty noticeable leg separation, which would mean that it was not perfect. I guess I'm questioning the angle the judges were sitting at. Were they able to see that? Because probably not. The camera angle from, you know, the TV. Is showing you a different angle than what the judges are seeing. Yeah, we're on like a slight angle, whereas the judges are straight on the side. And packs are one of those skills that I think it's really easy from the side to not detect any like leg separation. And knee bends you can see, but legs up, if it's not super super big or like you know wonky or like your legs are like uneven (laughs) yes i i could see why someone like connor who has a really nice line in general and a nice you know toe point really clean execution on every event but on bars as well i could see why maybe a judge would not see that deduction from the side Mm -hmm. so i'm not like terribly mad about it i think i Can understand how they got to a ton. And Connor looks so, so happy Mm -hmm. at LSU. I think we said this last week, too. Yeah. I just, well, she looked nervous last week. But this week, just doing bars, looked a lot more confident and seemed in the interview that she did after the competition, she seemed super excited and proud of herself. She said that she doesn't, like, hit or doesn't, like, stick her bar to smoke. At all. She, she said, look at her. She did it when I counted. Second you know, when of she the needed. season. Already got a 10. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to Connor. Very happy for her. UCLA finished third with a 1971. Such a close competition between LSU and UCLA. Only ended up being a half tenth behind them in the end. Yeah, we had somebody ask us to rescore this meet, and I told them maybe we would. I mean, it's hard because there is one routine that wasn't shown. And I'm not sure what session that was in, but if it was this one, I wouldn't want to rescore a me if there's even one routine missing because you know, we want to make sure we're doing it. That accurately. could make a difference. Right. <laughs> and a meet this close, it absolutely could. So we'll see on that front. But that think, would that would be fun to rescore. It would be. I think Vault for sure was the highlight of UCLA's day. They went 49-4. Emily Lee, Shea Campbell both stuck their your falls Foles for a nine nine. Selena stuck her one and a half for a nine nine five. Some people were saying that should have been a ten, and I don't agree. She was leaning back slightly on her heels, and she didn't move. But it wasn't the most controlled stick that mm-hmm. you know. It she's was like of. it was like fighting for the stick. Yeah. So for that reason, I would not go ten. I think nine nine five is fair, but a tremendous improvement from last season. Where honestly, the last couple of seasons where we've talked about UCLA and vault not really being their strongest event. Yeah. To go forty nine four. You know, I think that's this early in the season too, and they have more potential. They have several athletes who are still capable of doing that 10 0 start value vault. Yeah, they can add in so lots of potential there. This early in the season is a really good sign for them. Yeah, I think statement made for sure. Bars was an experience. I remember saying to Ashley when we were watching live, it felt like they would go like nine nine, and then like nine seven seven five, and then nine nine, and then nine six five, and then nine nine, and it was like going back and <laughs> forth. And I'm like, this is quite the roller coaster. Like. <laughs> Great routine, iffy routine, great routine, iffy routine, and so on. So I do think I'm a little bit worried about their bar's depth, especially in those meets later in the season that MML Abuyo is going to be gone for. I believe Cal is one of them, and I want to say Utah was the other one. It was two fairly two big, big ones. meets that MML Abuyo is going to be gone for. Um, They have some options still. Frida Esparza was not in. Unfortunately, they're losing Sarah Julius. Yeah, she went down in warm-ups. A lot of people are afraid that it might be her ACL again. And she's just been through so much. So, yeah. And she has a lot of potential on bars. So I was really, really hoping to get to see her more this year. She exhibitioned last week. And just really, really unfortunate loss for this UCLA team, particularly on bars, which is an event where I feel like they already didn't have the most depth Mm -hmm. or height scoring depth that you know some of the other teams do so it'll be interesting to see you know how they manage that throughout the season beam they had a count on nine six seven five from emily lee that's pretty uncharacteristic i would say usually she's a lot stronger than that um emma andres yeah nine nine we are not talking enough about her that was her first nine not no First time. That was her first time in the BEAM lineup ever, and she got a 9-9, which (laughs) is, like, practically unheard of. And she's not, like, a freshman or, you know, a sophomore early in her career. She's a fifth year. We've hardly seen her on BEAM at all in her UCLA career. I think she's exhibitioned once. Yeah. So that's really cool, and I'm proud of her for sticking around and, you know, proving that she can still be relevant with such a talented team. Yeah. No Sienna and no Frida Esparza on BEAM. Yep, Janelle said that they are working on building back their confidence on this event. So again, it's one of those situations where I think when they're ready, they'll be in. Um, and I think that's a smart strategy. I think that those are two athletes that are capable of scoring really high if they have the confidence to go up there and, you know, execute at that level. Mm-hmm. So hoping to see them back in that lineup soon. And then floor was a really, really strong event for them. They had some under rotated passes, but to me that was more honestly. I felt like every routine had at least one under-rotated pass. They did have a lot. They really did. But I was going to say, I feel like that's kind of... I chalk that up to being uncharacteristic. Like, typically... We do not see, you see that. You see more endurance issues at the start of the season than you do midway through at the end. Correct. And I also want to say that I do think that UCLA was more harshly evaluated on floor than some of these other teams. Especially in the second session. Yeah. Like, the one routine that comes to mind, Skyla Schulte, she, like, flew back on one of her passes, and she somehow got a 9925. But then you have routines from UCLA that might have a pass that's slightly under-rotated, but not, like, anything disastrous. Mm-hmm. And they were, like... Taking the full amount of deductions, like they were going like nine eight two five, for a routine yeah, like that. Scoring definitely loosened up a lot by the time the last session came around. I think I said session two. I mean, it would be session three because session two was right the one we're talking about now. Yes, you know what I mean. <laughs> But anyways, I think that UCLA overall, they still look strong. I think that they have a lot to work on, but I feel like this team is moving in the right direction. So Mm -hmm. and the little mistakes that we saw, I kind of feel like are more uncharacteristic mistakes and that should be cleaned up as we move forward. So Utah finished fourth and they posted a one nine six nine seven five. They were off to such a great start after week one mm-hmm. and looked really really nervous here at this competition and definitely did not do anywhere near what they're capable of doing. Yeah, so they struggled a bit on beam. Um, they had a lot of balance checks. Miley had a really uncharacteristic fall, so they had that instead of like the usual nine nine five slash ten that she usually gets. Yeah, bars, not as many stuck dismounts. I think it was Ella Zerbe's that fell on her bar dismount. Yeah, just a lot of like little things too, like handstands, slightly bent knees, like little things that they got to clean up. Miley also struggled on floor. She had a 9.575, which is really uncharacteristic for her. Yes, it is. So I don't think that will be, I think that's something that they'll have cleaned up by next week. They just, for some reason, she was a little bit off at this meet. When you're top scoring, I almost said all around her. Your top scoring three eventer isn't quite on, and you're used to getting really big scores from them. It does it does hurt a little bit. So, but vault was great. For yeah, Utah. They went forty nine four. Cami Winger, the freshman, got a nine nine five on vault. Okay. Stock one and a half. Yep. Yeah, McKenna Smith nine nine two five. I don't remember seeing her vault, but I may have just looked away. Maybe that was the one routine that we missed. <laughs> it could be. It's either the one routine or maybe I just happened to look away, but great ball rotation there for Utah so I'm not worried about them I think that this team is still very very strong team and they have a lot of potential I think that they just what for whatever reason they were a little bit nervy and I think that in the beginning of the season you know every team kind of gets that pass at least once to have an off meet and so I think that this was the meet that Utah chose to have their off meet so hopefully it does not become an issue going forward I don't necessarily see that happening Okay, talking about now session three, which was the last session of this competition, we had Cal came out on top with a 197.825, which, given the fact that they had mistakes on Beam, is <laughs> incredible for them, terrifying for everybody else. Yeah, they were only a quarter tenth behind OU. And mind you, this was the same meet with the same judges. Granted, it was a different session, but they were only a quarter tenth behind OU with those mistakes on Beam. If we have found any team that could maybe catch OU this season, it just may be this team. Yeah, I think Cal is definitely a little bit underrated in most people's minds. And that's because they haven't been – and this is something that they said. I mean, we talked to Miles Zahn on the podcast as well as head coach Les Crandall Howell. They said that confidence was an issue for them in the past. They would get into these big meets and they would get in their head. And, you know, they're kind of viewing themselves as beneath these other teams – And I think it would kind of bite him in the ass a little bit in those bigger moments, which is why so many people probably underestimate them. But I really feel like we're seeing a change, and the the tide is shifting a bit here because, like we said, you know, uh, a one nine seven eight two five—that's an incredible score. That's the second highest score in the nation, week two, and I think they're going to be second in the rankings. So now, because there's been two weeks, it's going to average the scores. And I believe, unless something crazy happens, we're recording this on Sunday, so Sunday before any competition. So Denver's the only really, Denver is the only team that I think could potentially score that high, and it's possible. So I guess stay tuned. <laughs> but but otherwise, I'm pretty positive they're going to be second in the rankings, which is a big step for them. And I think it has a lot to do with their improvements on vault. Vault was not an event that historically has been, you know, strong for them. But we saw Kyan Mayhew, the freshman, finally in the vault lineup. She got a 9.95. Stuck, Ryuchenko, 1.5. Maya Lazan, stuck hers as well. 9.975. I honestly thought hers was going to go 10. I wouldn't have been mad about it. I wouldn't have either. She nailed it. And she's on an absolute role. Yeah, doing all around this year. I'm so happy about that because her other three events have always just been so strong, so high scoring. And bars was like the one thing that was kind of keeping her out of any like major all around contention. But Mm -hmm. kind of like we said with Faith Torres, Maya Lazan is somebody that With her level of consistency and also execution, like, don't sleep on her. She absolutely could come away at the end of the year as that national champion in the all-around. By the way, that vault performance for Cal was a school record. And it's also the highest vault score in the country so far after week two. So they put up a 49-525. So impressive. Everything else all around was really great. Beam, we kind of alluded to this already, but they started out a little bit shaky, but then they really picked it up in the back half. MJ got a 10. I was a little bit surprised by that. I mean, it wasn't like egregious. Like, there was definitely more egregious tens. There was we some saw. like shoulder movement on her series. Maybe. I was thinking like 995. Yeah. It was a great routine. We love MJ. She's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, So happy for her that she finally got that moment. Maya Lazan at 9925. I think once they figure out that first half of the lineup, I think it's over for everyone else. (laughs) That's Brittany's uh, hot take. I think that this is a team that if stays healthy and if they keep performing, not only at the level that they're at right now, but even slightly better because, you know, they have plenty of time before, you know, it really matters at the end of the season. I don't see why not. I think in terms of execution, this is the team that's the closest to Oklahoma. I was just going to say that. Like, other teams have talent that rival Oklahoma and Cal certainly does too. I think they stand out and they get close to Oklahoma in terms of execution because they have no built in deductions. No. So then therefore all they really need is just the little details and consistency. And that all comes from having confidence and believing in yourself. So, and I think that they're figuring that out. I think this is the season that they're figuring it out. So I am very, very excited to see what this Cal team does and their final season in the Pac-12, and also just nationally, what they can do. I think that it's going to be a really good season for them. I'll just say that. <laughs> Michigan State finished second with a one nine six seven two five. Did have some struggles on beam and vault again this week. They went forty eight eight on beam and then forty nine one five on vault. I'm I blame, going for those ten o start values. I blame but, their gym. I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to tweet it because I don't want to like. I don't want it to seem like I'm being shady because you guys know I love Michigan State. I'm not being shady towards them. I absolutely love them. But they are kind of at a disadvantage to other teams. And I don't think people really realize it because they they don't have in their gym a competition surface landing for vaults. So they are training on either like a mat. Like on a pit, yeah. They're they're doing it into like a resi or into a pit. Um, and if they want to do comp landings, they usually put a vault table downstairs in like Jennison Fieldhouse where they compete. So the gym is in Jennison Fieldhouse too, but it's upstairs. So they have to go like downstairs to vaults. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's probably contingent too on if anything else is going on that day in Jennison Fieldhouse. Yeah. So I don't think they have the free reign to train consistently. Upgraded vaults on a competition surface in the same way that literally every other top team is. And and most teams in the nation are training that way. And there's new vaults. Like Gabby Stevens doing the one and a half for the first time. I think she needs to go back to the full. Her full was way too consistent. Yeah. Um, they're basically giving up a 985 plus vault mm-hmm. for something that at this point in time is not proven to be consistent yeah one for olivia Zermani, it's also a new vault she did so. great week one it was a great vault week one but, but nearly week, nearly sat it down this week so gabby ortiz is now <laughs> missing yeah so they have a lot of potential you know very excited about that potential but and it, it might you know come al- it all might come together as season goes on but it was interesting on the broadcast that they said something about how like The issues on vault, they attributed to them not having enough numbers, seeming like they didn't have enough numbers on a hard surface. And in my head, I was like, yeah, that's because they don't. Like, well, and to be fair, like we don't know what they do every day in practice. Like they could be going down to Jenison where they compete, but knowing their gym setup, like they definitely have to put in more work, and things have to align a certain way for them to even have the opportunity to train those vaults on a competition surface. So I wouldn't be shocked if they weren't up until this point, like up until season, training those vaults on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when we went in the gym end of November, that was the first day that they were doing their vaults. And they actually weren't doing like the actual vaults. Like they were doing timers over the vault. Yeah. Down on the competition floor. So I would imagine that they probably only really started doing those operated vaults on a hard surface probably like a month ago. If I had to estimate, it's probably around that. Which, I mean, you know, maybe also is a a strategy to kind of bring things along slower and then come out roaring in the second half of the year Mm -hmm. or of the season. I think they'll get it figured out. I think we're just seeing... Kind of what I said last week, honestly. Like, you can just tell that it's new vaults for them. Yeah. Like, this was a team that last year they were doing chanko Foles, and everybody was sticking their chanko Foles every week. Yeah. They had some of the best chanko Foles in the country, and now everybody's upgraded, and we're just seeing a lot of under-rotating because they're trying to stick or over-rotating because they're trying to get their ball around. And mm-hmm. you're just seeing a lot of them trying to, like – figure it out <laughs> yeah and get that confidence and consistency so, so they probably need a little bit more time a little bit more experience actually doing vaults on competition surfaces and then i think this could be a completely different picture yeah i love the fight that we saw from them on floor they really bounced back yeah 49 5 and we mentioned this already i think there was a couple routines that were a little bit generous scoring but potentials there i mean they're bringing pretty much all e-passes I think maybe besides for one of the routines Mm -hmm. Um, and there's so many routines that aren't in the lineup that also have e-passes so they're bringing the difficulty this year and that's something that we've been super excited about for them yeah I think my overall feeling about MSU is that they're they're kind of starting shaky right now in the beginning of the season but I feel like, don't sleep on them yet. I feel like they're going to come out swinging and they're going to kind of come from behind. Mm-hmm. They're going to be that team that isn't going to be towards the top of the rankings. Like, they're not going to be a top five team in the rankings. They might they might be around 10th or, or less even. But I think when it comes to regionals, that's when they're going to come out swinging. And because they're mm-hmm. serious, like they want to make it to nationals as a team. And so I think that everything they're doing now is just, it's long-term thinking they're prepping for postseason and what they need to be doing to get themselves prepared to beat those top teams when it matters the most. So mm-hmm. BYU was third with a 1961. I think the highlight for them was definitely Elise Rollins, the Beam Queen with a 9-9. Yeah, Beam was their best scoring event with the day, actually tied with floor for a 49-075. And then NC State was fourth with a 195-675. We have to shout out Former podcast guest Chloe Nick Reddy stuck her Yuchanka fall for the second week in a row. Yeah, honestly, I thought like maybe it could have gone 995. Like it was, it was good. She had the height, distance, absolutely nailed the landing. I mean, they were, I mean, it's consistent with what the scoring was even in session one. Like, mm-hmm. I think with the exception of KJ Johnson, everybody else who stuck their fall got a 99. Yeah. So KJ Johnson got a 9925. So. But Chloe got a 9-9. She also got a 9-9 on floor. So she was just having a day. She continues to slay. Also, I was really impressed with Ashley Knight, the freshman. Does the front hands front pike half vault was amazing. Um, A lot of really great amplitude on that vault and a a pretty controlled landing as well. So um, if you're looking for like an underrated vaulter, I think she might be somebody that's kind of flying under the radar because she's a freshman on, you know, not one of those top historically top 15 type teams, Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely someone to watch. Throughout the rest of the season because that vault is a huge addition to nc state's lineup okay so we're gonna wrap it up just talking briefly some highlights from some of the other meets some of these we've watched some of these we haven't had a chance to yet and we're gonna kind of go through these relatively quick just because we are approaching like the two hour mark and we don't want to put you guys through more than that we don't want to put you guys to sleep so <laughs> so quick Like uh, quick hits is what we're going to do. So, Kentucky versus Auburn. Kentucky came out on top with a 197.475 to Auburn's 197.025. Like Ashley said, we didn't actually watch this one, only seen highlights of it and looked at the scores, of course. So, Kentucky had a big improvement from last week's score, um, which was a 196.775. Improved that, like I said, to a 197.475. For Raina Worley, the star of that team, her second straight all around win with a 39.65. I think her 10 is coming. I'm so shocked she has not got one yet. I know. She does like really consistently strong routines every week, even last season. I just Mm -hmm. feel like it's got to be coming. Kresslyn Bros, the freshman, hello, 995 on floor. She has been the best surprise. We have her on our fantasy team, and we decided, like, sure, why not? We'll throw her up this week and see what she does. She got a 995. So So. that's about the only thing that went right with our freshman team on (laughs) floor. We have a 995, and then nobody else did floor. (laughs) Um, Kentucky, in general, on floor, did really well. They went 495. Which is incredible, and I think they can really be a top SEC team this year. They I've, look good. They just seem to be getting better and better. And I know, obviously, we have like lots to happen now. With it's only the second week, so you know, <laughs> there's still a lot that has to happen. But I've just been really impressed with Kentucky. I could see them being, like you said, not only a, a top team in the SEC, but a top team in the nation. Not maybe not the top team, but like maybe a top four team. Yeah. I could see it. I could see it. Arkansas versus Georgia. Arkansas came out on top with the 19715, which was their highest opening score in program history. And as things currently stand, mind you, it's Sunday and we haven't seen Sunday's meets yet. So Denver realistically could change this, but Kentucky's third in the er nation. Sorry, Arkansas is third in the nation right now. <laughs> She's got Kentucky on the brain. I think I want Kentucky to be third in the nation. <laughs> no, but Arkansas, they did really good. They beat Georgia, who posted a 19635. Arkansas went 49575 on floor, which isn't too surprising. They've been, for the last several years, a really good floor squad. And honestly, that might be due to Jordan Weber's coaching. I was gonna say, if there's one thing Jordan Weber's gonna do, it's gonna be making sure her team is like endurance-wise prepped for floor week one. Because UCLA slayed on floor, and they still do. I'm not saying they don't, but they were like the number one team on floor when Jordan Weber was the coach on floor at UCLA. Yeah. And then now Arkansas is just seen, I think just tremendous improvements on floor in particular. It's the Jordan Weber effect. I think it is. So also the Jordan Weber effect impacts recruiting. We it also that. does. And I love this. They mentioned this on the broadcast. And I think it's totally cute. Lauren Williams, I am Lauren Williams, she had a fat head of Jordan Weber in her bedroom. Which, for those of you that don't know, a fat head is like a sticker. Yeah, it's a giant wall decal. And she had it right on the wall next to her bed. And so she'd wake up every day and just see Jordan Weber. And honestly, that is so us awesome when we were kids. That's like Ashley and Brittany Bueller core. 2013. Yeah. Or 2012. 2009 through 2012, for sure. Like, we were, like, number one Jay Weeb fans, so I thought that was super cute. (laughs) And just to see her, like, on the floor now being coached by Jordan, like, how cool is that? It's like a full circle moment. Yeah, I love it. And I really do think that she's impacting recruiting. I think Jordan – I think Arkansas has a lot of things that are going right for them, but I think there's a lot of gymnasts that grew up idolizing Jordan – and I mean, we heard that with Jocelyn Robertson as well. So yeah. I, think I know that, that was a big draw for Jocelyn going to Arkansas was the fact that Jordan was head coach. So I think that that is definitely working in their favor. And, and I'm not going to lie, if I was a gymnast, I probably, I would most definitely be visiting Arkansas and I could see myself at Arkansas for Jordan Weber. You could see and also f- being a hog. Yeah, I guess I could see myself being a We hog. always joke about it. I feel like that's the one downside is that they are called hogs. It is unfortunate that they have to call themselves hogs, and they're calling Jordan Weber the head hog. <laughs> like, it, just, it sounds like an insult. <laughs> but it's, like, nah, because it's their mascot. <laughs> I know. I just don't like it. But anyways, Georgia, unfortunately, is dealing with a lot of injuries. We talked about it a little bit last week, but now we have another – devastating update in that their star all-arounder, Haley Dion, is out for the season. Yeah. So she was injured last week before the meet started, but we didn't know the severity of the injury. Mm -hmm. Now we have confirmation that she is out for the season. So that's a huge loss. So no real update on Naya Howard and like if she'll be back. So I saw a video of her swinging bars, but I also... Don't know what that means. Like I hope they don't rush it just to, like, get her I'm in. Thinking. I'm like, don't rush it. Like, they're so injury-plagued. And Niam in particular has had so many knee issues. And so I'm just worried, as per usual, with Georgia. Love Lily Smith and Addie Wall. Yes, please wrap them in bubble wrap. Protect them at all costs. So Georgia only put five up on vault again. Um, I think just lacking control... I mean, I don't think this was a bad meet for them, actually. Like, I I do think that, like, it could be worse. Yeah. And it could be better still. Well, they survived Beam. Yes, they are looking. (laughs) I mean, it's not anything like, don't get too excited. It's not anything, like, you know, amazing, necessarily. But they survived. But they are getting through it, and... They went 49-425 on bars, so that looks like a bright spot for them this year. Bars is definitely proving to be their best event. Um, They just need the other events to kind of keep pace with that or get even close to that. Yeah. Because right now they're kind of lingering around like the low 49 or like just breaking 49 on the other events. Mm -hmm. Vault being the biggest struggle because they're going five by five count, like you said. So I think if they can get the other events up to that same level as bars, they would be a great team. But that's also... Pending injuries, and I think that's a lot to ask for. To be like, if, if they could just get three events, cons- way consistently better, <laughs> then it's like that's then you're asking for right. A lot. Then Georgia can win national championship, <laughs> win national championships again. Like, uh, we sound like we're haters, but we no, we, we're not. We I are rooting lo- for them. I love Georgia. I want Georgia to have a great year. I want Georgia to make a comeback and be you know considered a top team again. I love Georgia. I, I just think I things think need it to change. It does get like frustrating after a while and we were saying this earlier I could not we were saying this off the podcast I mean I could just not imagine being a Georgia fan and just seeing like the rise and fall of that program and then you're getting all these amazing recruits and it's exciting and then it just doesn't like year after year seem to really materialize into too much and so like you said I think there needs to be some changes like they need to seriously look at what's going on in this program because yeah. something is not working and it has not been working for a very long time injury wise it's not working success wise the way that the team competes it's just i think culture wise as we've heard mm-hmm. from numerous athletes like there's just like what is working yeah, yeah. You, you start to ask that question like that's a good question what is working because i think that but, as an outsider there's a lot of like questions and, and red flags that i have they have so much talent and so much potential on the team but with the amount of transfers they've had the amount of injuries they've had the amount of retirements that they've had um the lack of success and improvements that they've seen despite having like top recruiting classes like yeah. this year's freshman class i think it's and time. granted we need to give them time i understand that like this freshman class hasn't really had the opportunity but to But the do... freshman class, I'm, I'm not worried about the freshman class. I'm worried about the injuries mm-hmm. and the fact that they had a tremendous amount of depth this year and they've almost depleted it completely. Before week one. I'm not, ju- I'm not one. judging the freshmen's performance. I think the freshmen are doing good. The ones that are healthy, at least. Yeah, but exactly. The ones that are healthy. I mean, it could have just been so much better, you know? Yeah. So it's always disappointing. I think it's fair to feel that way about it. Okay, we're going to wrap it up with a really exciting piece of news. <laughs> so Jordan Coleman from Westchester is the new program record holder on the uneven bars with a score of 9925. So that ties the highest score ever received by a Westchester gymnast on any event. And she's only the third gymnast in their program's history to ever break 99. Period. So D2 Gym is popping off. I love that. And have we seen a video of this routine? Yes. It is on Twitter. Okay. I can show you. Okay. I, <laughs> I where to find it. I think I retweeted it. Oh, okay. I don't pay attention, apparently, to our own social media. So <laughs> <laughs> you can tell who clearly runs social media here. <laughs> I'm going to check that out, though, because I really want to see it. It was really, really good. Was it deserved? Yes. hundred um, percent. That's the routine that if she went to, like, any, even, like, top 15, I would say, D1 school would be going, like, 995 10, maybe. Well, I mean, 9925. Uh, we'll take that. She'll take that. <laughs> Amazing. So shout out to her and go support D2 and D3 gymnastics. Yes. If you guys go to insidegym.com and click the NCAA headquarters section, or you can click the events page at the top of the website, you'll see a schedule for the entire season. And we link to every meet that has a live stream including d3 and d2 so that's a good way to like keep up with what's going on every single weekend and maybe check out some teams that you don't normally get to watch that does it for this week's episode we hope you guys enjoyed it and of course as always we want to say thank you to our gold level patreon supporters thank you so much for all of your support and helping to make the show what it is we love and appreciate you so much We will not have an episode next week. We actually have something really, really exciting in the works that you guys will know very, very soon. So be on the lookout for that. But for now, we'll just say that we hope you guys have a great rest of your week and also great next week. And we'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Bye.